Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the 17th chapter of Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you, my siblings in Christ. On Labor Day weekend, my family went for a hike. We decided to go to Wild River State Park. Any of you have been to that one before? Beautiful uh, state park, not too far, just north of here near Almalund. It's a beautiful hot weekend, if you remember. And so it was one of those last days before school started And we didn't really know where we were going to go until we started driving. So we weren't fully prepared. We we decided, let's, hey, we're in the we're in the van, let's get to Wild River. And so we we got there, we stopped, and we're like, let's let's hike down to the St. Croix River. And that's where we found our favorite sandbar. And it was just we timed it that there wasn't a lot of people there, and so we kind of had the beach to ourselves. And so After walking around on the sand for a few minutes, it was kind of becoming clear that my kids were not going to be able to resist the temptation any longer. Even though they were fully clothed, not in swimsuits, they could not help it. They went into the water, and of course, the results were catastrophic. They emerged from the river, now completely drenched, and dove headfirst into the sand. Sand ended up in every possible crevice it could find. Getting clean was going to be hopeless. When it was time to go, they couldn't just go like that. So they all jumped back into the water. Like a full immersion baptism in the Jordan. They did their best to rinse off all the sand that they could, and it helped, but then they had to get back out of the water and walk on the beach to get to the trail for that last half-mile hike back to the van. Sand was everywhere, in their shoes, in their hair, in their ears. When we got back to the van, we noticed Uh, by the time that we got home, that there was a layer of sand that basically covered the bottom of the van. So we marched them straight up to take a bath. 
And of course, sand filled the bottom of the bathtubs. Sand even ended up in the laundry. You know how like when you're doing laundry and you take the lint off of the, uh, the dryer and there was like sand just caked on that? They were all like sort of clean. You know what I mean? Like you're not really clean until the next day's shower. You know, I could look in the van today and still have reminders of that adventure. You ever have those? You ever have those memories where it's like, yeah, you kind of got clean, but you never really got clean until a few days later? You know, if I would have sent my kids to school without cleaning them up afterwards, the school would have looked at them and sent them right back home. You know, try showing up to a formal wedding caked in mud. They'd look at you and they'd say, I don't think you belong here. Well, I'll take it a step further. Have you ever smelled someone who was clearly living in their clothes? Man, how did you react when that odor hit your nose? It's hard to avoid our biases, isn't it? Form stereotypes, make assumptions. Sometimes we often struggle to, to literally see our unclean neighbor's And when we do, our opinions usually are a bit negative. What's the first adjective you think of when it comes to hearing the word church? It's probably not messy. Probably not dirty. It's probably not stinky. Why is that? Church is usually the place that we get cleaned up for. Wear our Sunday best, don't we? That's why I wear this white robe after all. Not because I look super fashionable in this white dress. This is a reminder of your baptism. Where sin gets washed away and we're made clean. It can be an awkward mix when a sterile, clean environment like a church comes into direct contact with a messy dirty reality of the world that we live in. I mean, that's what we aspire for, though, isn't it? But sometimes when it happens, we're not quite ready for it. Like, for example, say 10 guys with a skin, di- uh, skin disease have been separated from society. They have to form their own community. Jews, Samaritans, Romans, who knows? It doesn't matter who they are, right? Right? They're all on equal footing in this community that they have formed, this this inclusive community because they've been excluded by the rest of society. What happened when they saw Jesus? Ten lepers approached Jesus. Good, okay. Keeping their distance. Huh, that sounds familiar. I mean, we know what that looks like, don't we? Like, if any time this reading, like, really kind of resonates with us, we remember social distancing. We know that the effects of COVID are going to be, like, messing with our brains for generations to come. Like, we're going to be, like, remember back then when we couldn't even be, like, six feet from each other? And we, like, put markers on the floor with tape? And then you, like, break it and people look at you sideways? Yeah, yeah, remember that? Imagine being a leper. They don't want to get close to Jesus because they certainly don't want to be the ones to infect him. 
They're very aware of what the expectations are. They're very aware that they can't get close enough, but fortunately their voices can. So they call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so what does Jesus do? He shows them mercy. And he sees them. When he saw the lepers, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Notice he, he doesn't put a hand on them. He doesn't, like, go wash in the Jordan. He says, go. And so they do. He knows that they are unclean, closed off from society. And this bold declaration to go see the priests, if they would look at the priests and go see them in their current state, the priests would be like, you got to get away from us. But as they went, they were made clean. Miracle. They're healed. Then what? Hooray, celebration, we're all clean. We should go thank Jesus. Hmm, is that how it went? No, only one of them and an outsider, no less, a Samaritan. Now, we know about the Good Samaritan, right? Like, if I say Samaritan, the first thing you think of is Good Samaritan. Great, awesome. Okay, but I need to remind you about what happened to Samaria here. Uh, I, every time I've preached on the Good Samaritan, I remind you that, you know, the disciples don't really trust Samaria. In fact, when Samaria turns and says, we don't want anything to do with Jesus, the disciples say, hey, Jesus, do you want us to pray to God that fire is going to just rain down and, and burn them and just burn up their whole village? This is the level of hate and distrust that the, like, that the disciples have for Samaria. And so for them to have the Good Samaritan lifted up as the model, and then for them to have this example where only a Samaritan comes back to thank God, has got to be messing with what they think and their expectations of who God has welcomed and loves. This man stops, turns back, and praises God. Hallelujah. And Jesus praises him for praising him. Kind of this, thanks for saying thanks. And I get left thinking to myself, so what? Like, is this a moral tale? Is this a story that's Shame in the other nine? Like, oh man, if we don't thank Jesus all the time, are we like, are we kind of in the wrong here? Or is there something maybe a little bit larger at work here? Does only one of them have faith to make them well? Uh, one of my colleagues, Pastor Brian, writes, I'm certain that all ten former lepers believed something about their healing. We see the faith in the one whose beliefs made a difference in the way he acted. And then he says, I find it ironic that for him to return and glorify God, so for the Samaritan to return and glorify God by thanking Jesus, he actually had to disobey the command from Jesus to go show himself to the priest. Right? Go, show yourself to the priest. And he doesn't do it. He actually stops and is disobedient and says thank you first. When might our thanksgivings to Jesus mean that we have to go against what's deemed good and proper? Wow, let that sink in. These other nine formerly unclean men are actually being obedient to God. They're doing what Jesus had said. And I think that much like the world around us, trying to say that there's just one conclusion to draw from this complicated story is a bit short-sighted. Yes, 
the Samaritan gets commended and lifted up. But I don't think that disregards the power of the healing for these other nine. Perhaps they appear to the priests and they're so grateful and so thankful and they can't help but tell the priest, and guess who did this to us? It was that Jesus guy. You heard about him? We don't know. I guarantee they were transformed. I guarantee they were grateful. I guarantee that knowing that they were finally welcomed back into community was a life changer. The Bible is many things, but it's rarely convenient. It's not been my experience to open up the Bible and say, wow, that was easy. That just made perfect sense to me. Jesus comes into this intersection of the clean and the unclean, belonging and isolation. And one of the most amazing and overlooked parts of this passage is that those who were once separated now have the opportunity to return to community. They get to belong. And this Samaritan, who's doubly excluded, he's a foreigner and a leper, gets to belong. Faith Lutheran, we know a thing or two about stepping into that intersection between clean and unclean. I mean, the year before COVID, I know, it seems like a long time ago, dust off the cobwebs. Remember what was going on here. We spent a lot of time intentionally getting to know our neighbors who were unsheltered. Friends like David and Laura, Alex, our brothers and sisters who often were overlooked. This is Alex's home right there. You know, we started talking about this idea that what if we built tiny houses, have a sacred settlement here at church with people who'd never, who'd never experienced homelessness before also being part of this community. There's this concept that we could have community and togetherness and hope. And so we did a lot of work. We injected a lot of energy into this ministry. Many barriers existed and a lot of those barriers are still present to make this happen here at Faith. But because of the work of our congregation and other churches and other people who just really felt passionate about this ministry, the first sacred settlement is about to open. The St. Paul City Council this past week authorized the occupancy of the six tiny houses at Mosaic Christian Community. Many people were skeptical that this could ever happen. There are times in the last couple of years where it just didn't look good. So last Sunday night, Settled invited a few hundred of their friends uh, to come and, and see. They wanted people to come and check this out. This is at Mosaic. They invited people who've been walking alongside this organization, people who've been celebrating and cheering it along and using, using a hammer, uh, walking alongside people who've been unsheltered, they wanted people to come to this. They wanted people who had witnessed the mercy that Jesus had for his neighbor when he says, go, your faith has made you well. People who said, I want the church to be more like that. Thanks to the financial donation of Chuck Tollefschrud and from the Meg Maurer Memorial, Faith was actually able to build a house for David, a veteran, there's volunteers from our church who helped build his home. And so this is what his house looks like today. This sign 
is on his house. It says, this home will lift one person off of the street because of the faithfulness of Faith Lutheran Church. We did that. We did that, Faith. We opened our eyes. We overcame some significant biases and fears. And we said, yes. There's more to come. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty more to do. But today, I think it's okay to just stop and pause and acknowledge that it's time to celebrate. Our neighbors have a place to call home. Neighbors who didn't have a roof over their heads. A place to come and clean up after a long day. And we, we have found a way to maybe get our hands dirty a little bit too. Experience the world as it is. We've perhaps broken free from our safe and sterile boundaries. And as a church, I think it's important that we've moved beyond our walls. We've gone out, out there, out where Jesus is extending grace and mercy to those who least expect to receive it. So, could the biggest takeaway from this reading in the Gospel of Luke not be about our efforts to get clean, but instead the life-changing difference it makes when we risk getting dirty? Amen. Amen.